0: Tonight's reading is from um, Romans chapter 4, and it's verses 1 to 25. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that, the, that righteousness might be credited to them. And he, he is then also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised, but he also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless but the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have faith, have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thanks very much. Um, as a long reading. Uh, What a great passage, a fantastic passage. Chapter 4, you've had a lot of Romans so far. Um, We spent a lot of time in chapters 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and now we're in chapter 4. Maths was never a strong point, but I'm quite impressed even by myself there. Chapter four is a bit of a turning point. Last week, we had a bit of a look at chapter three, the end point, which focused on the cross of Jesus Christ. Then on Wednesday night at the all-in, we thought in more depth about what the cross actually means, that it's Jesus Christ hanging there, receiving in himself the full penalty and punishment for our sins as a substitute, so that we might be atoned, so that God and us might be well, connected, that we're able to stand in front of a holy God, sinful people able to stand in front of a holy God. Tonight's passage, chapter 4 in Romans, is really fantastic because it says how we can stand before God. What is the mechanism? What is the thing that brings us to God? What is the thing that makes us right with God? And over these years, over these decades, over these centuries, over these millennia, there have been loads of different answers. that very question what is it that makes us right with God what is it to put another way what is the thing that gets us to heaven so why don't we pray as we have a look at the answer to that basic question heavenly father we praise you and we thank you that you love us so much that you sent Jesus to die on a cross for us We praise and we thank you that you love us so much that you've given us your word through which we may come to know you, to come to know you and have eternal life. Father, we thank you for Romans. We thank you for this incredible, incredible letter which tells us who you are and who we are to be. We pray that we would hear this evening and obey in Jesus' name, amen. So what is faith? How would you answer this question which should come up? Faith is dot dot dot. How would you conclude that sentence? Faith is wishful thinking. Faith is I hope so. Faith is trust. Faith is. How would you finish that question? People around you may define it in ways completely contrary to that. People may define it as sort of this blind thing, this kind of thing that, well, we, th- the things that we know not to be true or the things that we can't be certain of kind of faith. The story is told of a minister who is dressed in his robes, kind of a big dog collar and white and black robes. And he was driving along. He was going to a special meeting, and he ran out of petrol. And he was a, he was a father. Uh, I don't mean that in the minister sense. I mean he had kids, and he um, had to pull over. And he, the only way that he get his car filled with petrol was by taking a receptacle that was used by his kids to go to the toilet in to the local filling station. And he came back filled with the thing with petrol, and then he started to pour it into the car. And someone drove past. I'm not a believer and said, wound on the window and said, I'm not a believer, but reverend, I admire your faith. Did anyone get that? No? Okay, no. All right, maybe the people at home got that one. The guy thought he was pouring pee into the car to get it going. I admire your faith. I'm not religious, but anyway, that's entirely lost on these people. Anyway, what is faith? Without faith, you'll never go to heaven. Without faith you'll never be right with God. And without Paul's definition of faith, you will never know eternal life or Christ. So what is Paul's definition of faith and what does it bring us? Well, let's have a look. Romans chapter one, sorry, Romans chapter four. This is not working this evening for some reason. It's not, going, but if you want to click. No, all right, all right, just forget about the screen. Just, for, just look at me. Uh, Romans chapter four, verse one. Let's have a look. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. What on earth is that about? Maybe you've come here this evening and you've never really thought about, thank you very much, you've never really thought about Christianity, you've never really thought about faith, you've been dragged along here this evening. What on earth is this Abram crack? What on earth is this crediting crack? What on earth is this righteousness crack? Well, right here, right here, you will hear this evening how you can be made right with God. How that this evening, if you do what Abraham did God will have no problem with you. God will forgive you. God will bring you into his kingdom. God will justify you, declare you perfect, as if you never had done anything wrong. It is absolutely indisputable, isn't it? As we read chapters 1 and 2 and 3, that humanity is anything but but guilty. It's, It's very, very difficult, isn't it, to try as we read 1, 2, and 3 of Romans, chapters 1, 2, and 3, the case is led out for us that humanity is fundamentally guilty of rebelling against the perfect, loving, and true God. The perfect God. It is impossible to deny. We see it in ourselves. We see it in others. We, we hear in Romans chapter 1 how even gossip Shows that we have rebelled against God, that we've been handed over in God's judgment. We've been handed over to do the things that we want to do in worship of the created thing, not the creator. That devastating conclusion in Romans chapter 3, if you've got a Bible open in front of you, you can look up the column from Romans chapter 4. You can look up the column on the page. It says, No one has done right. No one has done good. Chapter 3, verse 23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. You, me, Matty, Peter, Luke, who's just read. Jeremiah, who's been leading. His lovely wife, Alice. Every single, you at home every single one of us has rebelled against God under God's judgment, and we deserve God's judgment. It's indisputable. But what turns it around? Well, chapter 3, towards the end of it, we hear about Jesus, who's presented as a sacrifice of atonement, a propitiation. Jesus in himself absorbs all of God's anger, all of God's wrath, the willing Savior, the one who from eternity puts up his hand and says, I will go, I In obedience, he dies on the cross. So how does that apply to us? Well, we get the answer in Romans chapter 4. How does what Jesus did on the cross impact us? How do we take what he's done and apply it to ourselves? Well, it's by faith, by trusting. And this is where the definition of faith is no longer broad, it's very, very narrow. It's no longer ill defined, it's entirely defined. And the example is Abraham. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter, if in fact Abraham was justified by works? He had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, the very simple, basic act of trusting God's promise to Abraham. That very simple, basic act of trust Trusting someone else's word. In this instance, God's. That was the thing that rescued Abraham. That was the thing that saved Abraham. That was the thing that gave Abraham righteousness. How can we stand in front of a holy God? Number one, we don't deserve to. Number two, we might think we're able to off our own bat by our own efforts, by our own good deeds. We all like to do good deeds. One a day is the prescribed amount. What was yours today? What was yours yesterday? What has been yours over your life? How big is your list? Is it arm length, two arm lengths? How many good deeds does God need from you, from me? How many does he need? Well, that's a brilliant question, isn't it? Because most of the people I grew up with, most of the people who live where I lived and even live where I presently live, might think that as far as God is concerned, well, look, if I can get a count over about a hundred a week, if I can do so many good deeds, if I can do so many acts of kindness, indeed the random variety makes it even better, then God will be happy with me. God will say, come in to my kingdom. God will say, here, have eternal life. But is that how it works? See, this was the question that was doing the rounds between the Jews and the Gentiles. In Rome, the the people to whom Paul was writing, the Christians there, this was a kind of a question. It was kind of a big deal. Because you see, these two aspects, being a devout Jew and doing all the things that a Jew would do, These two aspects, both observing the law as in doing works of righteousness and receiving circumcision, those were the things that some imagined would make them right with God. And of course, Paul got into trouble because he said, no, that's not the way. Paul, to some degree, Romans, a large chunk of it, is he's defending his message his gospel. And here we have him say, look, the thing I'm preaching is not brand new. You might think it's brand new. It's because you've never really heard the old stuff correctly. So what does he do? He goes right back to Abraham, who he describes as the father of us all. And what does he do? He goes right back to where Abraham was given a promise in Genesis chapter 12, then Genesis chapter 15. And there is a quote directly from Genesis chapter 15 in verse 3 of Romans 4. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. This is hugely important. The world's religions suggest that in order to get on the right side of the divine, you must do what they want. You must kind of observe the divine, the God or gods of that particular religion. You must live a devout life. You must live a righteous life, a good life. You must do all of those acts of random kindness. That's the basic way that the world's religions operate. Keep on the right side of the deities. Keep your slate clean. Keep your manners good. Keep your mind pure. Be devout and devotional. That'll impress the deity. Isn't that the way it works? Well, you see, that is what was thought by those receiving Paul's letter until they believed what Paul told them. And Paul says, look, the thing that I'm preaching, this message that I'm bringing to the ends of the earth is not new at all. In fact, it's right there in the Bible. It's just you haven't seen it. You see, people thought, that the way we get on the right side of God is by doing. But what Paul says, no, no, it's by believing. And this is nothing new. In fact, it's just what Abraham did. You see that? What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The word credited Is to be understood as, well, imagine your bank balance. Most students' bank balances are quite low, I guess, tottering around zero, if indeed maybe minus zero, if that's possible. Most. But just imagine someday, completely unknown to you, there comes £100 into your bank balance and you check your account via your app or by phoning, and it's £100. You're in credit. You're no longer in debt, you're in credit. And it's come not by your efforts, it's come not by your pleading to your parents, it's just come as a gift. You're in credit. You're entirely passive in that scenario, aren't you? You haven't done anything except be poor. You may have spent it on McDonald's the previous week, I have no idea, or buying a car or whatever it is that you spend your money on. But you're in significant trouble because your bank balance is zero or below. And then, on a Tuesday morning, you look 100 quid, wow, in your account. You haven't worked for it. You haven't pleaded for it. It's just there. So think of credit like that. And when the word credited is used here in Romans chapter 4, it's that. But have a look at the words before that. Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. What is belief? Belief what is faith we sometimes define faith by its quantity how much faith do we have but actually the bible speaks more in quality terms in whom is your place is your faith placed that's how the bible speaks of faith and what Is your faith placed? Well, who did Abraham place his faith in? Well, it was God. He trusted God's word. He trusted God's promise. He trusted that God would give Abraham and his seed the promise. Now, that is completely contrary, isn't it, to how a lot of religious systems think. It's all about working to earn God's favor, working in righteousness, working in devotion, working in attending to the sacraments, working in attending even church, working and working and working and working. Look at the next few verses if you think that's the way it is. Romans chapter 4, verse 4. Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work but trust God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. This is a hugely important distinction. The home in which I grew up, this was not understood. The, the religious worldview that I was brought up with, it was a God-fearing worldview, a, a very happy home, a very caring home, a very loving home, but it was a kind of works home, not a belief home. It was a home where, you know, you had to keep that clean slate or else God wouldn't be happy with you. It's a system of fear, isn't it? It's a system of, well, look, I never really know how God is going to look at me But do you see what Paul is saying here? When I began to understand this, the lights came on. It was completely revolutionary for me. I became a Christian. When a man works, his wages are not credited as a gift. You see, this is the basic fundamental modus operandi of works-based religions, isn't it? Maybe you've grown up in a home even in a church or denomination that says, do this and you'll be made right with God. It seems what Paul is teaching here, doesn't it? No, no, it's not about doing. Because you see, if you do, verse 4, if you do, then God is obligated to give you something. And that's not the way salvation works. That's not the way God's righteousness. That, it doesn't work like that. Verse 4, when a man works, his wages are not credited him as a gift. If you work, you have a right to demand. You're owed that amount of money, whatever it is, minimum wage, whatever it is. You have a right to demand that if you work for it. But very simply, Paul says, the complete opposite. no. This thing that God gives is an entirely free gift. When a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. God becomes obliged to pay us. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness by believing and trusting in what Jesus has done for you instead of you, by taking it for yourself, by trusting in your heart, deep down inside, forsaking everything. I trust Him. Then what do we receive? God's righteousness. It really is that simple. We're made right with God by believing God, by believing His Word, by believing His promises. Now, there's a load in this chapter. We're not going to go through everything in minute detail. You'll probably do that on Wednesday evening in your growth groups, but it's quite incredible, isn't it? Paul says, Abraham, Abraham was viewed as the great patriarch, the father of us all. Abraham was the great one, and the Jews wanted to be like Abraham. Yet, they were saying, Paul, your message is brand new, and it's not biblical. Well, Paul says to them, yes, it is, because I'm telling you, just be like Abraham. And if you think that Abraham is the only example of all this stuff, I've got another one, the great king David. Verse 6, David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they, and this is a quote from Psalm number 32. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. David says the same thing, that it is possible to be blessed. Now, This blessing is not like having a happy day or a good day or kind of not going outside and not raining on you. That's not what it is. Blessing, when the Bible uses that terminology, blessing is about God's salvation, God's rescue, God's gift, God's righteousness. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed are the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him question is, is this blessedness, verse 9, only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? If you've been here this last number of weeks, circumcision was the mark of the removal of the foreskin, the male child, which is the mark of God's promise. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Circumcision was the big cultural and social marker, religious marker of the Jew. The Gentiles weren't circumcised. So, of course, there was a religious pride in circumcision. And the question is, is this blessedness of salvation, of righteousness, just for those who bear this mark? Well, verse 9, we have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before This is a fascinating chronological question and point, isn't it? It's fundamental. Was Abraham made right with God before circumcision, before that act of obedience, before that mark, before that, well, we could call it sacrament? Before receiving that sacrament, that sign, that seal, was he made right with God? Well, what's the answer. We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Was it bef- after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, Paul says, but before. That is revolutionary for our thinking. Actually, Paul was made right with God before the mark, before the sale, before the seal of God's promised righteousness. That's hugely important. Because the Jews thought, well, no, it was in the reception, receiving that seal that made them right with God. You might say, your baptism, whether it's a little baby or it's a big adult, makes you right with God. You may say, I have done that thing, or that thing has been done to me by the church, by the minister, by the presbyter, by the priest, by the elder. That thing's been done to me. I've been made right with God. That very sign, that's the thing that makes me right with God. Paul would say, uh, 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 no, it's not the case. No, 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 it's not the case. Because look at Abraham. He was made right with God when he believed God. His belief. By the, word, by the way, belief just doesn't mean acknowledging that there is a God. It means trusting in what God has said, trusting in His promise, trusting in His word that when you repent and believe the good news, you will be rescued. Trusting that. And you see the order? Verse 11. And Abraham received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he is also the father of the circumcised who not only circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. This sounds very complicated, but it isn't really. Who is Paul addressing there? He's addressing the Jew. He is saying Abraham is the father of the Gentile who believes in the way that Abraham believed, and he's also the father of the Jew who believes, even with the sign of circumcision, who believes in the way that Abraham believes. Trusting. How do we get right with God? What makes us a Christian? What rescues us? What, what brings us salvation? It's by trusting. It's as simple as that. You might think to yourself, huh, it couldn't be that simple. I mean, surely I need to do something. Well, no, all that you need to do is accept what has been done for you. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He has done everything that's necessary. You see, when I, if you read a bit more, you'll see this is, this is brilliant stuff. If you grew up in the kind of home that I grew up in, verse 13, it was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who live by law are heirs, faith is no value and the promise is worthless because law brings wrath and where there's no law, there is no transgression. See? We can't offer God our sacrament We can't offer God our circumcision. We can't offer God the things that we think will save us. We can't. We can't offer God our good deeds, our law adherence, law observance, law obedience. We can't offer God those things. I think fundamentally we all think we could and we can, but actually Jesus says, no, no. I've taken all of those things. And I have lived the perfect life and borne your sin on the cross instead of you, for you, so that you can be forgiven. We're gonna flick over to verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, now, just in case you don't know anything about Abraham, Abraham was given a promise, you're gonna have a kid, Abraham, sir, and they were pretty well on. They weren't in their prime. They hadn't just got married, you see. They, they really weren't in their prime. And God had promised them, you're going to have a kid through which there will be loads and loads and loads of descendants, in fact, as numerous as the stars in the sky or the grains of sand on the sea shore. Sure. You're going to have loads and loads and loads of descendants. But yeah, Abraham probably looked at God and said, look at me, I'm a bit old, I'm a bit past it. He went home and looked at Sarah and thought, "Mm, uh, you're even worse. (laughs) But lo and behold, they did have one. Abraham believed the promise from God and it's all outlined here for us. Listen to this. Here's this, this is an incredible story. This is an absolutely incredible story. This is exciting. Forget Netflix. Just read the Bible. Verse 19, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. Sorry if there's anyone 100 years of age in the building. And that Sarah, that's his wife, Sarah's womb was also dead. They thought it was gone. Just looked impossible. This is not going to happen. We're well past it. Verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave God glory, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. You see, that is the essence. It is the belief that God does not lie, it is the belief and trust that God's words will come true. God says, If you trust me, if you repent and believe in me, I will rescue you. That is what this is. Here is faith exemplified. See that verse 20? Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. He didn't turn around and kind of think, God, you're a liar. He didn't think that but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. That is why, quote, it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone. And here is where you're involved, okay? If you're a Christian, you're included. If you're not a Christian this evening, you're not included. But here is how you can be included. Look at verse 24, also for us to whom God will credit righteousness simply by believing like Abraham. Just trusting. Why don't you? Why don't you say, like, I'm utterly powerless to save myself. I'm utterly unable to rescue myself, I'm utterly unable to do anything for myself, by myself, just please, Lord, forgive me and save me. And that's what will do it. See that? Verse 24, also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. If we trust like Abraham did all those thousands of years ago, if we trust like Abraham... We will receive this gift. And you know, the brilliant thing is we don't have to go as blindly, perhaps. Is that a way to put it? As blindly as Abraham? Because we have evidence. Look at this. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, we look back to Abraham. We hear the example of faith. And we look back to the cross of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 25, he was delivered over to death for our sins. Jesus died, there's, there's the summary. Handed over by God, he handed himself over. For our sins, he died for them. And he was raised to life for our justification Remember, Sarah's body looked almost as if it was dead. See that? Sarah's womb was also dead, verse 19. Death, resurrection, unbelief, belief. What comes? Well, it is salvation, righteousness, justification, verse 25. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. The Lord Jesus Christ was raised so that we could be made right with God. You wonder, will you be made right with God? Well, yes, you will. The resurrection was proof of that. As Jesus Christ was raised from the grave, those who believe in Jesus will be raised with him on that day. So what is faith? It is trust, belief, rest. All of you are exercising faith this evening. Every single one of you. You're exercising faith in the pew that's holding you up, or in the chair that's holding you up, or the comfy satire, or maybe your bed, that's holding you up at home. Every one of you exercising faith. You're not doing anything to hold yourself up. mean, that'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it, trying to hold yourself up on a chair? No, no, the chair is doing all the work for you. You're resting on the chair. And that's exactly how a man 500 years ago described faith, as rest, a man called Martin Luther. Rest. You throw yourself back onto it, and the chair does the work for you. You throw yourself on God's mercy, and Jesus has done the work for you. And you'll be made right with God. You don't have to work for this. No effort on our part. You just have to trust the promise from the promise giver, the truth teller. Have you done that? What is faith? It's belief which justifies. Belief which brings God's righteousness. What a great and glorious God we have. Let's pray. Father God, please forgive us when we think that Christianity and Jesus... And God and the Bible is just all about moral platitude. Forgive us for that. Please, Heavenly Father, would you teach us what is true? Thank you that you're the promise giver and the promise keeper. That you will save all those who believe in you. Lord, we trust in you. We pray, Heavenly Father. Strengthen that trust. Thank you that all of salvation comes from you, nothing from ourselves, only the sin from which we need to be rescued. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, this evening, that if any, do not trust in you. Lord, please bring them to trust in you so that they may know your righteousness, your forgiveness, your inclusion of them in your kingdom.